0: That's about the only good line from that whole movie. It was really kind of a boring movie, but that one line to me always made that whole movie worth it. Uh, You watch something like that, and there's a piece of you. Isn't there some, some part of you that wants to be like that? To have the kind of spirit and attitude that nobody can just get to you? That at the end of the day, you can just love somebody no matter what? no matter what they do, no matter how they act, no matter how mean they are, no matter how out to get you they are, uh, no matter how vindictive they are, no matter how bad of a person they are, you'd have the ability to look at them and go, hey, you can't get me not to like you. Some of you are like, no, no, that ain't me. Uh Uh-uh, no, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. They're going to get what they got coming. The more Jesus Christ comes a part of your life, the more that may hopefully, we're gonna see this morning, become something within you. Uh, just the idea that somebody just can't get to you because there's something so core to who you are that no person can change who you are deep down. And when somebody would say, well, why could, would you still love them? Because what I do is not about them, it's about me. See the difference? See, there's sometimes you, you treat people the way they've treated you because that's what they deserve. There's other times you treat people the way that God's treated you because it's changed who you are. And so somebody would say, well, why would you do that? Because it's, it's who I am, not who they are. That's the end of the day, the end result. The question is, is, is it really possible to get to that point? I mean, can you really get to that place with God or with your relationship with God that you could have that kind of attitude? Uh, there's a lot, you see this a lot in, in, in shows and movies. Ted Lasso is a very common one that came out. Um, I haven't watched all of it, I've watched you know, some, some parts of it here and there, but you see that same kind of thing. It's this guy who just has this personality that no matter what anybody does to him, he's just kind and loving back, right? And you watch that and you think to yourself, I really wish I could be that kind of person, but there's another piece of you that says it's fictional. I don't know if anybody could really be like that. Yet, when you read in the scriptures, that kind of seems like what God almost expects of all of us, Like he kind of assumes that's where we're going to be. Now last year we talked about how uh, God commands us to love him, to have faith in him, how God commands us to fear him. All of those really are all relational terms talking about our loving relationship with God that will last for all eternity. Uh, And so kind of a transition from that series into this one. Last week we had a, a service where we just basically spent time singing out love songs to God and just expressing our worship to him. Uh, and we saw that worship really is, uh, and it's an ex- such an extreme part of our form of love that you lose all sense of dignity and self-respect because of the great love, the overwhelming love that just boils up over you uh, in love. But I'd also submit to say that that kind of loving God is probably the easiest kind of love, because it's more emotional than it is volitional, right? And emotional love is always easier than volitional love. Some of you are like, what, what's volitional? You're using some big words here. I know what it means, but I did have to spell check it. So I'm not too far off you with you. Uh, volitional just means it's an act of will. Uh, there is a love that's just an emotion where you feel love and you're excited about love and you want to express that love. Uh, that's why you're listening to the love songs or you're singing the love songs or, or those kind of things. But then there's the volitional will where you're actually doing the acts of love, where it's a decision to love. And let's face it, volitional love's a lot harder. That's why when people say they've fallen out of love, what they're really saying is, I lost the, lost the feeling. I never wanted to make the decision. I just lost the feeling, and I want to get the feeling back. We sing songs about how you've lost that loving feeling, right? <laughs> I don't know of any songs that say, I've lost that desire to do. I've lost that decision. Uh, because we think so much in terms of love being a feeling, but any married person will tell you that love has to be more than a feeling. There always comes that point where love just becomes a decision. And last week when we looked at this, this is why it's so important, because in the last series, when God talks about how it says he commands us to love him. Do you think God's commanding you to have a feeling? No, you can't command a feeling. I command you to feel. It never, you can't force anybody to feel anything. But you can ask somebody to make a decision. And that's exactly what God has done. He's, made, he's asked us to make a decision to love him. And it's so crucial and key to this. Um, I, 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 this is such a core. I've, I've got to go use a lot of scripture this morning. I don't usually use this much. That sounds really bad. <laughs> <laughs> to say I don't use this much scripture in a message. What I mean by that is I don't usually use this many scripture references in a message. Um, in John thirteen thirty five. Uh, That's where Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another one another. Now, this wasn't necessarily a new command. Uh, Rather, this was sort of a hallmark or a picture of this relationship that God was instituting or or teaching us through Jesus Christ. Uh, Moreover, he's saying the new command is that you would love the way that I've loved you. Because in the past, you hadn't experienced the kind of love that I've shown you, but now you have, and I want you to love this way. But the key here is, he says, everyone will know that you and I have a relationship. How? Because you talk about me? Because you sing songs about me? No, they'll know you and I have a relationship because you love one another the way that I've loved you. In other words, they'll see the way you love each other and look at them and go, that guy right there is a Christian. I, I don't know if the guy in the, in the movie was a Christian, but it certainly is a Christian attitude, isn't it? I mean, if you were to have somebody at work who acted like that, it would stand out in such a way you'd say, why? What is it a, what, 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 why would you show love to somebody uh, who's done nothing but, but try to take you down? Uh, likewise, over in First John, he says this: "Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, but whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love." Uh, in other words, what he's saying here is kind of the, the negative side of it. is like, evidence that you don't have a relationship with God is the fact that you don't show love. And when, when people look at you and they don't see you having any love for other people, they begin to question, are you really a Christian? Which is really a valid question. And earlier when I mentioned, when somebody treats you, or sorry, mistreats you, and is harsh to you, and is evil to you, and is mean to you, can you show them that kind of, kind of love? And we sort of jokingly and were like, no, I'm gonna treat them how they should. I'm gonna treat them as they deserve. And John's looking at it, he's saying, yeah, Which makes me kind of wonder, do you really have the love of God in you? Do you really love God the way that you say you love God? Because it's easy to say, I love God, but how do you love a God you can't see, or feel, or touch, right? I mean, you can go hug a person, but can you do that to God? How do you show God the love? And what you see, that the message in scripture over and over again is simply, you show me love by loving one another. In the same way that I would say, you wanna show me love, love my kids. Be nice to my kids. Love the things that I love. That's showing me love. If you come over to my house while Florida State's playing Miami. See, Jameson had a couple friends over, and they were kind of watching the game, uh, and it got a little tense, as it always does. I don't know. It doesn't matter who, you know, what record each team has. It's always going to be a close game, right? And, and it's sort of like, if you want to show love and respect for the house you're in, you're going to choose the correct side today, Right? <laughs> And you have that sense, right? You would take it as a sign of unlove if somebody came in and was dissing your team the whole time they were in your house, right? You would. Because to show me love, you love the things that I love. And God says, I, I love all the people that I've created and made. Not just the ones that have a relationship with me. I love everybody. You show me love by the way that you love one another. Now, I've always had an issue so, so basically what John is saying is if you don't love one another the way that God's loved you, it makes me question whether or not you really have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ that will last for all eternity. And it's because of passages like that that I always have struggled. A lot of churches post their salvation numbers. If you don't know what this is, let me just educate you on church background and inside of stuff, or maybe you'll see these places. I'm not here to knock other churches in what they decide to do. I can just tell you why we don't post those things. Um, a lot of times people will put out numbers of like, like, oh, this past Sunday we had 525 people in church and 25 salvations. Anybody ever seen numbers like that? Or sometimes on Facebook maybe uh, be a post of how many people attended and then also how many people uh, got saved that day. And I've been asked, like, why don't we post that? Because i be honest with you, it is pretty exciting when you see that kind of thing. It, it is pretty neat when you, when you see people take that step over the line and they're, they're Becoming, uh, if you've gotten, come into a relationship with Jesus Christ where they've made that change. Those are exciting moments. I've always held back from that. Um, And it's because I I worry about that moment. See, because when somebody, what, what you're saying is this. When, when somebody like raises, and this is where a church will typically do something like what's called an altar call or some sort of response time uh, where they say, you know, pray a prayer. It's like this magical prayer that if you pray this and everything is all good between you and God, and they'll have you either raise your hand or stand up or come forward. Sometimes they'll fool you into it where they'll just ask you, you know, with every head bow, every eye closed, you know, just pray this prayer with me. And you're like, okay, no problem. I'll pray that prayer. Yeah, because I'm where I'm going to pray it. And then they go, if you've prayed that prayer, raise your hand. You're like, Okay, well, everybody is closing their eyes right now, so nobody will know. So, okay, I'll raise my hand, and you'll hear the pastor say, I see that hand, I see that hand. And then they'll keep turning it up. They'll be like, now, if you raise that hand, will you stand up right where you are? And you're like, oh. I thought I was doing this all in secret, but you know, I mean now, and then they really turn to screws, like you know, if you are ashamed of me before men, then God will be ashamed of you before, and you're like, oh okay, well you know, and I'm gonna, if I'm ashamed of God, then God's gonna be ashamed of me, so then you stand up, you don't want to stand up, like now you standing right there, don't just stay right where you are, you come forward. And now, now you come forward and now you're at the front of the church where you really don't want to be, and now we just want you to exit out this site, you're like, what happened to me? A minute ago I was just here, and now I'm off in some room, and then later that day I'm some statistic. We, we've never done that, as you know. Some of you are laughing because you've been there and you've been in that experience before, maybe got suckered into that. Um, I shouldn't say suckered. Um, <laughs> but what is it that we're really saying? When somebody posts a salvation, what they're really saying is, there are 25 people who were a part of the service today who have had the gospel planted in their life. When I, when, I, when I say gospel, what I mean by gospel is they understand that this life is about nothing more than a loving relationship with Jesus Christ that will last for all eternity. They, they have a sense or understanding that they are a sinner, and their sin is separated from, the God, from them from God. Uh, that it was an act of rebellion to go do your own thing instead of submitting to God's will and desire for your life because after all, this world is his and all these people are his. and We're all a loving creation of him. So sin has separated us from him. Also, the the consequence of sin is ultimately death. However, Jesus Christ loves us and God loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, to pay for our sins on the cross. And and if we will just place our trust in him, that he will forgive us. And a part of that whole transaction is also this uh, is, is idea of repentance, that we would look to God and say, God, now that I see my sin for what it is and I see what it cost your son, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to do something different. All of that is sort of incorporated in when somebody raises their hand or stands up or prays a prayer. Uh, and usually when I, t- I said magical prayer, uh, I was being a little overly critical. Uh, basically, that prayer is sort of summarizing up all those theological doctrinal points. Okay. The question is, is are they really Christian or not? I, I don't know. That's why I don't post salvation numbers. I maybe we could start posting like seed numbers, but then that sounds like a prosperity gospel preacher if you're watching enough of those. Because Jesus tells us parable about about this whole thing. And he tells a parable, it's, it's called parable of the parable of the sower, the parable of the seed. And he talks about how the seed is cast out. And this is exactly, I think, what happens in church. It, is, he talks about this over in Mark. All the gospels, talk, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke all share this story. I'm going to use the one out of, Luke, uh, sorry, out of Mark. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. He says, "So you know, uh, actually, go, I'm going to switch down to verse 13. Um, now I'll start in 3. I'll tell you the whole parable, and I'll give you an explanation of it. Um, so a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed some fell along the path birds came and ate it up other seed fell in rocky places where there wasn't a whole lot of soil so it sprang up really quickly but the soil was kind of shallow so when the sun came up the plants were scorched they withered, they died because they had no root other seeds fell amongst the thorns which when they grew up it choked out the plants so they did not bear uh, any fruit still other seed fell in the good soil it came up and it grew and it produced a crop uh, sometimes multiplying to to 30, 60 or even 100 times Later on, the disciples get along and say, hey, that was a really cool teaching. What did it mean? Uh, I hope none of y'all ever do that with me, um, really, because my, my, I'm trying to explain the teaching. I really hope none of y'all walk out of here and go, that was amazing. What, what was it all about? I didn't really get it. Um, but Jesus would purposely sometimes share stuff in mixed crowds of people who were either skeptical or receptive uh, simply to be able to share the truth, and people who really wanted to know the truth would dig in a little bit deeper. Uh, they'd stick around. And so when those who want to dig a little deeper stuck around, they said, what were you talking about there? And he says, well, it's, it's just like when we share this gospel uh, and the salvation numbers are, are shut out there and people raise their hand and say, yes, I understand the idea of repentance and needing forgiveness and grace. That's the seed that's been thrown out there. And he says, but the seed's like this. He says, some people are like that seed that, was, that fell along the path. Remember the one where the birds came and ate up and went away? Some people, it says, are like the seed along the path where the word is sown and they hear it but then Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Uh, This is that person who comes here, and they they hear the message, and they raise their hand and say, yes, I believe, but then they go home, or maybe they go to work tomorrow, and their friend's like, whoa, 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 whoa. you went where yesterday? You were at church. You, you were at church. Seriously? Oh, don't tell me you bought into all that stuff. No, uh uh-uh. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Seriously, you did what? And you're like, well, you know, and then you get to talk in, and like, oh yeah, well, what do you really think? God created the earth in six days? I mean, come on, have you not watched the History Channel? Have you not watched Discovery Channel? Seriously, is that what you really believe? You think like a, you know, God, you know, sent a fish to swallow up a guy and Jonah in the hole? That whole, you think that? You think all the animals just got in one big boat and there was this worldwide flood? You believe all of that stuff? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're a nut. Like, well, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh. And because you can't answer every theological question ever posed, you know, sometime between Monday and the following week, or maybe a week or two later, maybe something just, at some point you're like, yeah, I really don't know. And so it's like, you believed, but now you don't believe. You never really had a loving relationship with Jesus Christ for all eternity. What happened is you came in and you believed. Because, I don't know, I did a really good job of talking you into it. Or somebody else, some other pastor did a really good job of talking you into a relationship with God, like I'm a used car salesman, I can can get you in this baby, whether you want to or not. I'm sure I can find some affordable payments for all eternity, it's going to be worth it, you're really going to like this ride. But they always say, if somebody can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. And that's like the seed that falls there and some other bird comes in and just talks you right out of it. And you've had friends like this who came to church for a while and then, hey, hey what happened? Well, you know, I'm not really sure to believe all of that. I am not really want to be one of those. And so they were there and they, they went out. Now, do I count that person as a salvation? No, I could count them as a seed. I planted a seed, but I don't know what happens on Monday. And then he says, others are like the seed that, that fall in the rocky places. Remember, this is where the sun comes in and scorches it up and it, it, it withers and dies. He says, that's where they hear the word And at once they receive it with joy, they're really excited. They'll leave out of here. They're in a great great place. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this is that person. They come in. They raise their hand. I believe. Uh, I understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. I want to have a love relationship with him for all eternity. And although if you were to ask them, and this may be you, and I were to say, now, Was that just sort of a consumeristic, relational, transactional moment? Huh? I don't even know what you you just asked me. Were you just raising your hand because you wanted to make sure you went to heaven? Were you just raising your hand because you have this idea that I mean, after all, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns all things, and he has the power to make men great, make men wealthy, uh, and all things good, I mean, after all, I want to do a good thing, and God loves people who do good, and God will bless people who do good things, and so I want to be in a good place, so God will do good things for me, because I want the benefits of, 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 of heaven, not just in the eternity, but I want them here in the now, and so I, I really feel like I just want to be a good person, because I'm a good person, then I'll be in a good place. I mean, after all, I don't really know if God believes in karma, but I mean, karma is still legit, right? I don't know, and if there is karma, I mean, God would be the one who directs said karma, and karma comes when you do good things, they're losing to you on this? It's basically the person who says, I'm believing in God because I think it's going to pay off for me. If, if I do good things, then God's going to bless me for it. Uh, and if I have a relationship with God, then after all, then I get to go to heaven. I mean, this was, like, this was why a lot of kids, I remember when I was a, a kid, um, one of the salvation talks I heard was, you know, we have two options in life. One is a place of utter Torment in hell. You ever been around a campfire and got it too close to it? Imagine that for all eternity. Or you can go enjoy a big pizza party in the sky (laughs) every day, all you want. Which one do you want, little boys and girls? Every one of those kids accepted Jesus. (laughs) Did they, though? Did they? And we laugh at that, but a lot of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we're still kind of in that boat. We're believing because we have this expectation that God's going to pay off for us. At some point, you're going to find trouble's going to come, and you're not going to be immune to it simply because you go to church. Uh, It was great when the angel of death passed over the people's houses in the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean that the angel of death always passes over your house in every circumstance. Live long enough, eventually, it's gonna come at you. Jesus tells at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, the rains will come, and the storms will beat against your house. And it's not that the one guy who built on the rock doesn't have the storms. No, the guy who built on the rock is able to withstand the storms. And so we're saying at some point, things aren't going to go well, and you're going to look to God and say, God, seriously, this is what I get? After all the years I served you, this happens to me? I thought you loved me. How could you let this happen to me? Nothing good's ever going to come now. I'm done with you. At some point, if it was just a relational, consumeristic, transactional, God, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. I'll go to church as long as you put a protection around me. I'll bless you on Sunday mornings as long as you bless me the rest of the week. I'll praise you as long as you show me some love back. We would never say that's what's happening, but that's really what happened because when things didn't go the way that you wanted them to, you walked away. And you've had this in life. You think you've got a lot of friends. Just wait. Just wait. Wait until the hard times come, wait until you're really in need that's when you find out who your real friends are, right? We, we know that. And what do you mean, your real friends? Are the other people really friends? No, they weren't. And they would never have said to you, I'm just here for the good times. This is a relational consumeristic transaction. My friendship really is based on solely on you being a good guy and you doing good things for me and I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Nobody would ever say that. But you know that guy who, when they have a hard time, you're there for them? And then when you call them up and ask them for anything, they're always too busy for you. You know what I'm talking about? That happens. And you realize they never really were your friend. And Jesus is saying at some point you realize some people really don't have a loving relationship with God. They just had a consumer relationship with God. This, by the way, was the question that was asked about Job. Satan looks to God and he's like, people don't actually love you, God. It's all a consumeristic, transactional, relational thing. You scratch their back, they scratch yours. That's all this is. Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? Now, remember, this is that word fear. The same, it's, it's, a, it's, it's talking about the relational uh, nature of our relationship with God. Remember, we, in our last series, we talked about how love, faith, and fear are all talking about a relational. It's all relational at its core. And so he's saying, does, does Job have this relational fear with you? Does he have this relational love for you for nothing? He says, have you not put a hedge around him? Have you not protected him? his household, everything he has? Come on, you've blessed everything he's done so that his flocks and his herd are spread throughout the land. But if you were to stretch out your hand against him and strike what he has, he'll curse you to your face. That was the question. When all this bad stuff comes on Job, is he gonna stick or is he gonna run? And you see these two great statements in chapters one and two of Job where he says, He fell to the, after he loses all his stuff, says he fell to the ground in worship. And he says, you know, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. But may the name of my Lord be praised. Wow. That's true love, isn't it? He's really there. It's no different in the marriage vows, those things you just sort of, it's like, the, it's like a fine print of a marriage vow. People are so excited to get married, they don't even think about the vows. But there's those little fine print things like, or worse, or poorer, or sickness. We don't ever think those are actual things that are going to happen, right? Sort of like when you read like the fine print of a contract, you know, if you know, calamity were to come upon and the earth were, you know, were to quake and all things were to fall apart, yeah, 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 none of that's going to happen, whatever. If you've been married, does it happen? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You're, you get poor, and one of y'all get sick, and it actually does get worse than you thought it could be for seasons. The question is, are you really going to stick around or not? Depends on what kind of value you made. If it was really love you stick around. If it's not, somebody jets. You don't really know. I always say, you know, when I do a wedding, I don't really know if they love each other. When I do a 50th wedding, recommittal of vows, I'm like, really, you, know, you guys aren't really committing these vows. I mean, you're just basically confirming them, aren't you? You've, you've had enough time, <laughs> right? I always say, nobody makes it past 25 years in marriage, let alone 50 without having more than one opportunity to bail. Within 25 years, you'll have the sickness, you'll have the poor, and you'll have the worse, if not all three, right? You really love when you stick around. So still others are like the seed that was thrown among the sword, the thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires of other things come in and they choke out the word and make it unfruitful. This is a person who comes to church, and they hear the Word of God, uh, and they hear the gospel about this life is about nothing more than a loving relationship to Jesus Christ the last all eternity. They're all excited about it, and, and and they're coming to church, but eventually, I don't know, well, the pandemic hits, and we start watching online, uh, and then we start to realize we don't have to really get up to watch it online live like some of you are doing right now. Hey, I want to say hey. Um, hey. <laughs> And why'd you guys get up at 9 o'clock anyway? You guys realize you can watch it any time during the week if you want. Oh, really? I can? I didn't realize. That's right. I can watch it. Re- Why get up on Sunday mornings and watch it online? We can watch it. We can watch it Monday. I can watch it Tuesday. Wednesday will be really good. Well, no, Wednesday's not good for me. Thursday. Okay, I'll do it Thursday. Oh, but Thursday I got that other class. Okay. Fr- well, no. I'll just watch it next week. See how that goes? And, and then I'll watch it next week. And then, and then at some point, did you notice what happened? Like, I was gonna watch it today, but then I decided to want to sleep. But then I was gonna watch it tomorrow. But come on, it's Monday Night Football tomorrow night, so I don't want to. I'm tomorrow tomorrow night. And then Tuesday, you know, I'm going out with my, some friends of mine. So, what is it that has taken God's word out of your life? It wasn't troubles, and it wasn't doubts. It was just, I don't know, stuff. Just got distracted. It wasn't a priority. And it's not that I—that's not not that I ever meant to walk away from God. I just I don't know. We just kind of drift. We just kind of drift. And that can happen in relationships. You just drift. When you don't make a relationship a priority, eventually you'll drift. And so eventually, these people just kind of aren't there anymore. It's kind of like the teenager who falls in love, right? Like, any of y'all have like a teenage girl who's like in love with a different boy every single week? (laughs) And if it's not a boy at school, then it's a boy band, right? Some of y'all remember back in the day, right? Well, I like Justin. Well, I like Joey this week. Well, no, I don't like Joe anymore. I like Tommy. It, you can't keep up with which one is the guy that they love. or, or you, know, right? you can't keep up with which guy it is because they're in and out of love every single week. And a lot of people are like that. They, they're in love with God this week, but then I'm also in love with football tomorrow. And then after that, I'm also in love with shopping. Well, then I'm in love with my friends. And then I'm in love with... And all these competing loves come in. And I mean, I love God, yeah, but I love a lot of other things too. And when you love all these other things, you, turns out you don't really love the thing that you said that you loved. It just really wasn't there. And then he says there's others, though, that are like the seed that's thrown on the the good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop, some 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. You'll see this metaphor used throughout Scripture, Old Testament, but a lot in the New Testament. At the end of the day, it's all about the fruit. It's all about the fruit. How long does it take to get fruit out of a tree? You plant a seed today, you're not going to get an orange tomorrow. It takes a while before you ever really have the fruit, which is why you don't always know, which is why I don't always don't post the numbers. Maybe I can start posting the number of seed numbers or something like that. I don't know. You know, 25 salvation seeds planted today. Let's pray that the birds don't come and the thorns don't come up and the sun don't hit them. We'll see who's still standing next year. Because it's all about the fruit. You know, Jesus says there's false prophets that will come in, they'll look like Christians. You know, people will come in and say, oh yeah, I believe in God. He says they come, like, they come to you like, like a wolf in sheep's clothing, which is why you never trust a preacher in wool suits. <laughs> preacher jokes, sorry, I couldn't resist. It says, but by their fruits, what you'll recognize them. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes and you don't pick figs from, from, from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit ultimately gets cut down and thrown into the fire. In other words, those people never really had a relationship with God. They didn't. They just raised their hand. And it's not really shown as to whether or not you have a real relationship with God until you actually see, does this person actually love like Jesus Christ has loved them? So, so how is it that you bear the fruit? Jesus tells that in John chapter 15, right? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And if you continue on, he sums all up with saying, Now, love one another just as I have loved you. Um, everything, it's, it's all continuation, the culmination of everything he said earlier, he says, this is how I know you're my disciples if you love one another, he ends all of that with talking about the fruit thing again it all comes down to fruit so what does it really mean to love like Jesus Christ loved that's where I'll end off on the final passage where we go back to the internship, what did Jesus say about loving you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. After all, think about it. God causes the sun to rise on evil and the good. He sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. You hear what he's saying there? God does good things for evil people. He gives them sun so their crops will grow. And he gives them rain so their crops will grow. We always picture, like, you know in the movies, what happens with the evil house, right? Right? It's got the storm cloud over top and everywhere else it's sunny. It's like, that's not God. God gives everybody sunshine for their crops and gives everybody the rain they need for their crops. And then he says, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get for that? Like, why would that be impressive? Don't even tax collectors do that? Doesn't everybody have a relational, transactional, consumeristic love for other people? And if you only greet your own people, how are you any different? Don't pagans do that? So what's this mean for you and for me? Can you really have the kind of attitude where you look to somebody and say, you can't make me not like you. You can't make me not love you. How? Where does that come from? It comes from a loving relationship that you have with God. And you see them the way Jesus Christ sees them. You see them the way Jesus Christ saw you. That even when you were unlovable, says Jesus Christ died for your sins. Even when you didn't want a relationship with him, he wanted a relationship with you. Even when the people were spitting on him and mocking him, he cries out to God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the way Jesus Christ has loved us. Which one of the seeds are you? Let's pray. Father, it is really easy to come and say that I love you. It's easy to raise a hand or even stand up or even as terrifying as it is to walk to the front of a church. All that is truly easier than loving the unlovable. than loving people who are nothing like me, loving people who aggravate me or frustrate me or haven't shown love to me. But what we see in your word, Father, is that if we truly have a loving relationship with you, that will change our heart and disposition towards those who are not loving towards us. Father, may this be one of the measures of where our heart's at. how do we love people, Father, who don't love us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.